What's up, Shalom Letters family? How y'all doing? I'm your host, Melissa Collins, and also the voice of Miss Esther Ava Hill on the Town cartoon series found on YouTube. With me tonight is my co-host, Brian Newman of Let's Talk Shalom on CT in Chattanooga. And together we are Shalom Letters. We're a podcast where listeners can write into our show and we provide commentary and even dream interpretation all from a biblical perspective. With each show, focusing on what the Spirit is saying to the body today. So with all that aside, how are you, Brian Newman? Busy, busy. I'm going to Knoxville on Thursday to film the TV show. And tonight we have the podcast. And I'm writing the blog for Kelly Yeshua Online Ministry. And thinking about starting a business and my job and all the rest of it going on. So I am crazy busy, but it's in a good way. Uh, and uh, we talked about earlier on the phone that today is tonight, sunset, was the start of the third Hebrew month. And like all these things, is, uh, as soon as that broke, like as soon as the sun started to set today, I've been kind of like held back from so much stuff and just feel like it all got released, like just freedom to just go do all these projects and stuff. So I'm thinking there's something to that uh, with that, uh, that change in season. The, the the all that stuff being broken off uh, so that's me uh, excited and focused and, and ready for good things yeah I'm so excited for you like you said we talked on the phone a little bit ago and I'm so excited about your new business and just everything that you've got going on and you know even even for us in our ministry it's just we have been so busy in such a good way and that's what, that's what we prayed for. I remember so many years ago, you and I just having this feeling like, okay, we're on the bench, use us, you know, like we were just begging for Yahweh to use us. And, you know, here we are being used and it's so exciting. Is there is a season of waiting and preparation and then you like switch into a season of purpose and it's just, it just feels so different. And when you don't have a purpose, there's all this stuff inside of this anxiety and there's this momentum. Oh, I think a lot of things we experience in life that are negative are we have momentum, the potential of nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. So it becomes depression. It becomes anxiety. It becomes all these things because it's got nowhere to go. But when we have a purpose, we can just channel all that into something. And then it's then it's momentum. You know, it's motivation. It's seeing a problem and fixing a problem instead of fixating on a problem. And it's it's not nervous energy. It's energy being used, being used and directed. So it's a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. And with that being said, I have to plug your business, if that's okay with you. Yes, ma'am. Is that okay? So yes. Brian is, has started his own business with life coaching. So he, he has tons of accolades and accreditations. And so finally getting it off the ground now uh, to be, uh, you know, a financial income for him because it's very, very valuable and life changing. Thankfully, I have been blessed to be um, one of the first recipients of his services 
bless his heart, though I don't pay very well or haven't paid very well. She makes lots of pastries. So far, but, you know, good practice so far. So he, he's very well prepared for this business. <laughs> but it is just revolutionary. And, you know, just some of the advice that you were given then is just a little, you know, snippet of some of the advice and guidance that you will receive from, from Brian and his services. So do you want to tell them a little bit more? So we were, I was trying to do the life coaching as part of the ministry and it was just getting too muddled and too much at once. So I'm doing it totally separate, strictly as a business, uh, know the way life coaching. Um, so it's help people find the way if they don't know the way, help them find it. And uh, it, it kind of goes into our, our verse, Psalm 16, which is even the night my heart instructs me. Because part of how God shows us the way is through dreams. Part of it's through circumstances in our life. Like, you know, coaches talk about, sometimes your, co- your circumstances give you direction. Um, sometimes the spirit of God's leading you, you just don't know it. So know the way life coaching services is going to be the, the business name. And the kind of the slogan is know the way to your dreams. <laughs> Because uh, people have God-given dreams. Not all dreams are God-given, but, you know, some things are just things your soul wants. But some things God has for you to do in life, you know, your calling, for example, that's something God has for you to do. And you just need a little help getting there, a little help sorting out what that is, and a little help figuring out what's holding you back. So know the way life coaching is going to be the business and uh, help people know the way to their dreams. And um, it's a uh, special scriptural perspective without being preachy about it yeah because i want to be able to reach everybody you know and honor their faith but if people don't understand what you're talking about you're not helping them Exactly. so i want to be approachable and applicable but also truthful Mm -hmm. so brian will meet you where you are you know just get in touch with brian at the end of the podcast we will go over all the different ways to contact us again but um definitely get in touch with brian um, we've, we'll have some news and announcements coming out about some possible promo codes coming up to get a discount on your first services through him. Um, so more details to come later, but I'm so proud of Brian and all that he's accomplished and getting this business off the ground. So go use his services. You will not regret it. So I'll move on from that, but I'm so excited for you. Just had to give you a little plug there. So tonight's topic Uh, We chose fear dreams, which seems super appropriate after my last uh, little Melissa's minutes that I threw out there was really based on fear not. So choosing the topic of fear dreams just really seemed like the appropriate next step. So Brian, you want to start off by telling our listeners a little bit more about fear dreams and what they are? Okay, So as you know, I interpret dreams. I... I took a class through Streams Ministries, uh, which was founded by John Paul Jackson. He's kind of spearheaded dream interpretation for the modern modern era, modern church. And there's three sources of dreams. God gives you a dream. The enemy gives you a dream. Or somehow, some way, you have given yourself a dream. And uh, sometimes fear dreams are from the enemy. They're meant to scare you, hold you back from something. But most of them, fear dreams are just the results of our own brain going haywire. We have inundated ourselves with fear all day and then when you sit there at night it comes out you know it's like you have a can of can of soda and you just set it down 
and uh, the what's in that soda can starts to come out over time and it you know makes the table wet makes everything around it wet and that's kind of what we do our soul does like we absorb things all day in our environment in the news and television and the radio and conversations our own thoughts and then at night it just comes out of us in the form of dreams so if you soak in fear and panic and paranoia that's what you're going to dream about because you've been soaking in all day and then it just it's going to ooze out eventually mm-hmm. and there's so much of that in the news and youtube and sermons even it's just a culture of fear and paranoia in the faith community which is really sad but it's it's probably where it's most active and some people make a whole living they make a there's a cottage industry they make a living on keeping you terrified yeah i'll have to say i kind of got called up in that for a time i was when like you said in the faith community i was subscribed to a lot of uh in time you know the tribulation is coming sort of ministries and a lot not all but a lot of them just constantly was pushing this fear agenda then you have your your hardcore preppers, some of them, again, not all, but some of them pushing this, you know, fear agenda. And then some of them selling products, you know, to, to accompany those fear seeds that they just planted within their audience. So it's definitely something that you can easily fall susceptible to. Because like you said, it's, it's everywhere. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, up until when Obama became president, I think a lot of us conservatives, and people don't think I'm conservative, but I am, um, conservatives, Christians, Messianics, Hebrews, I mean, the Jewish people, uh, the libertarians, a lot of people went into a panic. I mean, to everybody went into a panic that wasn't very, very, very liberal, democratic, went into a panic. And, and then when Trump got elected, all the liberals went into a panic. So everybody's been in a panic in the past 12 years. On one end of the spectrum or the other, everybody's had their panic, had their four-year panic. And for most of us, you know, listen to podcasts, probably it was when Obama became president. And I had some fear dreams about it. I know what a fear dream was at the time, but I, had, I definitely had some fear dreams. And everyone around me is having these fear dreams. And uh, we're buying, wa- I live in a townhouse, and we're buying water filters and water bladders and, and bug out bags. And it's like, mm-hmm. maybe we should just like, you know, got a second car or uh, paid off our credit card debt. But no, no, we're buying bug out bags and water filters and water bladders and doing things that make no sense. And my in-laws thought we were crazy. And, and- maybe we were because now we have a lot of prepper food that has since Expired. Exactly. <laughs> it's like those Russian MREs are in Ukraine right now. I mean, the Russian army has seven-year-old MREs that expired seven years ago when Obama was president. It's probably where they got them from. But they have like, the MREs expired seven years ago, and and everybody's like, "Why don't you just pay your bills off and get a car, make a down payment on a house instead of buying all this stuff?" If you really think about it, it's not going to do you any good. Because <laughs> why, why are you filtering water when the water is going to be cut off? I mean, just it's just it's fear, fear like physiologically, fear makes your brain not work. It literally it just shuts down your decision making faculties. When you are afraid, your prefrontal cortex does not work. 
part of your brain that says, is this a good decision or a bad decision? just doesn't work. It all goes to the base of your skull, which is where your instant, all the blood goes to the base of your skull, your, you know, medigula and all that stuff. Um, where your instincts are, where your reactions are, your, your responses, your fear-based trauma responses are all stored in the back of your brain. And your good decision-making is at the front of your brain. But when you're afraid, all the blood goes to the back of the brain. And that's where everything takes place. Mm-hmm. And it's like being a pubescent teenager getting his first kiss you just don't think straight and if we stay in that mode all the time it's, it will permanently affect your decision making ability or will affect it for a long time until after you've been out of fear response for a while then you're, you start to wake up alcoholics call it a moment of clarity when they're like they suddenly they're suddenly thinking clearly after being in all this addiction well if you're in all this fear it takes a while to detox from that and for your brain to start fully functioning. Yeah, and what you were you were mentioning there about how it affects your decision making ability. I mean, that is the root reason why that fear is a tactic or a method used in manipulation. You can mm-hmm. use fear to control people. Absolutely, I mean, Hitler did, Stalin did, Mussolini did, uh, the Assyrians did, Nebuchadnezzar did. Uh, all these famous tyrants and Genghis Khan and all of in history, their primary weapon wasn't bows and arrows. It was fear. Cause if you absolutely terrify people with psychological warfare, they're not going to fight you. They, you can have a 10 person army and they, they're 10, you can have a 10 to one army. They can outnumber you 10 to one, but if you've terrified them, they're, they lose the will to fight. They also lose the ability to think clearly and they will do stupid things. Uh, and, Gideon used the same tactic. I mean, Gideon, huge army against him. I was just thinking about him when you were when you were saying that. That's awesome. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So if you're a Midianite, uh, they were in such a terror of him. One Midianite is telling the other Midianite, "I had a dream about a giant like roll of hay or wheat to roll down, and then Gideon killed all of us." And uh, so he, uh, God actually gave him a fear dream in that instance. God gave this Midianite a fear dream, and Gideon overheard the fear dream which encouraged Gideon, but your the entire army of Midianites, these are like people that swarmed across the Middle East and nomads. It's like locusts just went through and wiped everything clear. It's like, it's like Genghis Khan's army, but a little bit earlier and in the Middle East. And uh, a baker, he's a baker. Gideon, Gideon works at Panera Bread, you know, <laughs> making ciabatta bread. <laughs> not normally, not Rambo, but he defeated this entire army with what torches and clay pots yeah because he made them afraid it's the middle of the night thousands hundreds of clay pots shatter you see some flames the army killed each other they all slew each other because of fear they just freaked out and slew each other and and that's what people do politically well if we get them afraid enough they'll turn on each other we don't have to fight them a doesn't have to fight b and c a just gets B and C so terrified, they fight each other. And then when everybody's decimated, A walks in and becomes king. Yeah. It's also called Hegelian dialectic. But this is what every every general, every politician uses to some degree. If you don't vote for me, terrible things are going to happen. That's what abusive people do in relationships. If you leave me, this is what's going to happen. 
you know, you won't see your kids. You're going to pay all this child support. You'll be homeless. I'll ruin your reputation. I mean, this is what abusers use of every level from like from the bad boyfriend, girlfriend relationship all the way up to to dictators of entire countries up to Satan himself. The abusive people use fear. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes yeah. exploit you too. salesmen use it as well. <laughs> watch it watch it yeah i was in sales for a very long time and it's true it's true one of the reasons i left sales you know i was a very successful salesperson until i had one of those moments of clarity where i it just hit me this is not very righteous when i'm knowingly manipulating people mm-hmm. to make a decision and I, I just had to leave. It was one of those things like, well, you know, kind of like the Christmas tree thing. Okay, it's black and white. This is not right. And I pulled the plug on it. Mm-hmm. So I'm very black and white in that manner. But yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. It's it's fear-based manipulation. Not always, not always. You know, so it's prudence. Like, you know, having life insurance is generally a prudent decision. Uh-huh. That's what I started to say. In the event anyone ever needs the products that I sold them, it's definitely, definitely going to benefit them. But the method in which it was sold, it was definitely a fear-based tactic to do this now. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, that way I don't have to make ten trips back out here and do this now. It was very. You don't want to die between <laughs> now and next Thursday. Exactly. Kind of thing. And I would be part of my job in the military was the death notification team. Like if someone oh, passed away no. on base, I thank God I never had to go. I never had deployed and never had to get, go out to a, to a visit, but I would go with the colonel and the chaplain. And if someone passed away, then, you know, the colonel informs them, the chaplain comforts them. And, and I tell them about their life insurance because uh, the military, you, everybody pretty much automatically gets $200,000 life insurance. Uh, so it wasn't the product that was being sold, but, you know, they, you know, if you're financially going to be taken care of, sign this form and you get $200,000. My uncle Randy actually died while he was in the Air Force. He had three months left. He's going to retire, be a missionary. Um, but his kids, you know, survived for several years on that life insurance. So the insurance is great. I mean, get my life insurance license right now to have. But the tactic of which people sell it is always, like you said, the, the point or health insurance. Oh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to have an operation tomorrow before you get insurance and just scare the bejesus out of people, as they say. Um, Fear shouldn't be a sales tactic. Preparation is great wisdom, but you know, when mm-hmm. so many companies rely on fear though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially absolutely. insurance business. Yeah. Which is where I come from. Yeah. Did you sell all the kinds of insurance? I did. I sold all the, all the things, all the things, <laughs> all the things. Yeah. So I started out in property and casualty, uh, with, with life and health as sub lines, but with home and auto being, um, and again, personal lines. I did some commercial, uh, but that was my my bread and butter. But mm-hmm. you hear all of these rumors that life insurance is where the money is. And sure enough, it was. <laughs> so I made the transition over into uh, life insurance and then transitioned from there over into workplace benefits where I moved up into management. And then I was in management from that point forward. So I didn't do a lot of personal sales the last several years but yeah like that's... a good neighbor melissa is there yeah they gave me my first insurance job a little plug for state farm but i spent the majority of my career with all state because all state believed in me that at the ripe young age of 19 
that I could run my own insurance agency. Wow. So, yeah, I signed my contract to have my own agency when I was 19. I was 20 when it opened. But yes, so they believed in me and saw my potential. So I well, will bleed blue for the rest of my life. Well, most people, most teenage, 19 year olds trying to get their ice cream machine to work at McDonald's or telling someone it doesn't. <laughs> You're running the whole insurance company, insurance uh, agency. That's amazing. Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because, I, you know, when I was working at State Farm, I was moonlighting at McDonald's. I would get off at State Farm and go into McDonald's. <laughs> So I want to, I want an insurance policy in case the shake machine doesn't work. Like I put my five bucks back. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I will pull us back so, on topic. When you were talking about, um, you know, even Gideon using, you know, fear as a tactic and God, you know, given, uh, I think it was the Midianite, the, the fear mm-hmm. dream. It made me think of, of Proverbs 28. So I want to get your perspective on this, but it made me, because I use this as an excuse not to exercise. So I'm well-versed in this one. It's um, Proverbs 28 starts out with the wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Um, and it, it goes on to even talk about how, you know, if a country is rebellious and it's, mm-hmm. you know, with a ruler, but a uh, ruler that has discernment and knowledge maintains order. So it, it goes on and continues about fear, but I wanted to get your, your take on that. Does that, how do you think that relates to fear when the, the wicked is running away, even though no one pursues him, you know, that's obviously fear driving that, right? Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a godly form of fear. Like in Romans talks about, you know, the government has a sword and he doesn't have it for nothing. It's like, the government exists because people are evil and they do stupid things. They're evil things. And the fear of being punished is the only thing that stops them. So like in the spiritual level, there's a fear of punishment, which is bad. But in the physical, fear is a good thing. You need to be afraid a cop will shoot you if you try to kidnap somebody. You know, it needs a healthy fear. It's a irrational fear. It's God put that fear there to keep you in line. Um, and well, that verse in Proverbs also goes back to Deuteronomy 28 through 30. Or is the curses on the nation? If a nation disobeys God, these are the curses that will fall upon it. One of them is terror. And it talks about, you know, ten, uh, one person will pursue you, but ten of you will run away. Mm, that's right. Either one will put ten to flight because they're terrified because, you know, you're just living in terror. And terror is a curse on the nation. Joseph DeMond decided Moon ties it back to the Jubilee Cycles where – Sabbatical and Jubilee cycles, where if the nation adores the Sabbath, the Jubilee, so many years, you get seven years of terror, then you get seven years of famine, you get seven years of plague, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, until the next Jubilee when it restarts. But that's a curse on the nation is terror, is fear, and we have an entire nation full of anxiety disorders. I have an anxiety disorder. My job for three years was to help people that had anxiety disorders and depression, et cetera, uh, to a, such a severe level there in a the mental hospital. So I did this for a living for three years but i think now like 40 percent of americans are on a site anti-psych on a psychotropic meds like oh, for wow. de- mostly depression and anxiety because our anxiety levels in this country are through the roof part of that is watching the news all day part of that is all the screen time just not just what's on the news but just the electronics and general and part of that is you know we live in fatherless homes a girl without community we you know don't have any land we don't ever get out in nature. There's all these biological factors. If we don't do the things like earthing and 
and work in the soil and having pets and having extended family that keep people calm. We don't do those things. But there's also, I think, a supernatural level of we're experiencing a judgment of terror because the nation is so turned against God. I mean, babies aren't even safe in their mother's womb anymore. So part of it is culturally induced. Like we have a reason to be afraid because the entire country is off kilter. But also there's a supernatural judgment of terror on a nation, not on individuals, but on a nation in general. That is in the curses of Deuteronomy 30 from Mount Gerizim, I think it was, or was it Mount Ebal? But that was one of the curses was terror. And also another one was plague and another one was famine. And we are working our way up into all of these right now. Mm-hmm. But also if you're wicked, you know what's called a bad eye? There's a good eye in Judaism and there's a bad eye. So having a good eye means uh, you give people the benefit of the doubt. You're a generous person, generally physically generous, and then you see other people with a good slant. You expect good things from them. You kind of, they're 10 minutes late because they're late. They're stuck in traffic. There's also having a bad eye in which you are stingy and you do everything you can to not be forced into giving an ounce more than you have to. And you have a bad eye also when you look at people expecting the worst like they're 10 minutes late because they just they're just lazy or they're just irresponsible but if you are constantly trying to withhold things and hide things and be secretive and conniving and narcissistic you will become very fearful person because you expect everyone else to be the way you are and if you're always out to get people if you're always hiding something and if you're always withholding something you're going to expect everyone around you to be the same way and if you expect everyone around you to be a crook, then that's reason to fear. You can't trust anybody. Since you are evil, you expect everyone else to be evil as well. And then that's a constant state of paranoia. Mm-hmm. So I says there's no rest for the wicked because they are constantly in this state of, of paranoia. If you look at all the dictators of the world, Stalin, Hitler, uh, Alexander the Great, all these big name political leaders they all went crazy at some point with paranoia and they started killing their own men they started killing the best generals they gave in to fear their whole life became fear most of them had mental breakdowns because of fear because they were wicked so um it all ties in together not all anxiety is because a person's wicked but these are factors but being a self-focused person will make you afraid because you know you don't expect compassion from other people because you don't give compassion no one's giving you compassion and you're on your own it's a bad place to be and like you said living in that fear throughout your daily awakened life is just naturally going to flow over into your dreams and how you spend your nights when you're asleep as well so with with that being said mm-hmm. are there are there common themes that you see in these fear dreams? It's whatever is in the news that week. I mean, it's just out of control. If something's on the news, you're going to hear about it. It's usually politically based. So if you're conservative, it's usually politically based. And it is, there's a foreign country invading America. And so the Russians or the Chinese, every time. So the Russians or the Chinese are invading America. It's Red Dawn that movie red dawn mm-hmm. uh it's red dawn all over again but everybody's got slight variants and uh that's that's the majority of it is this red dawn scenario 
uh, within the Pentecostal movement, it's more about earthquakes and floods and natural disasters. Because uh, they believe more of it's the wrath of God. A conservative would be like, okay, there's a natural consequences of poor decision making is we get invaded by Russia or China. Uh, with the Pentecostal movement, it's more of the wrath of God is coming on us. So it's more earthquakes and fires. So earthquakes and floods and some less fires. Those are the two most common themes. Okay, so let me interject this. So if someone has a dream that will we'll say a flood hits a particular city, or mm-hmm. if someone has a dream about an election, or I don't know, a war, that does not necessarily mean it's prophetic and going to happen. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly, because... <laughs> Well, ninety percent plus dream of dreams are soul dreams. Almost every dream you have is not the every dream you don't every dream you have and then you forget it within an hour. Almost all of us are soul dreams. So the vast majority of dreams are soul dreams. Even for prophetic revelatory people, most of it's just something with your life going on with you. Um, occasionally, it's a God dream. See, a soul dream is usually neutral tone. It's neutral colors. And it just happens, and there's no sense to it. There's no point to it. There's no direction in it. There's no hope. There's no direction. There's no clarification. There's just, oh, that was weird. I saw a flood. We all drowned. That was weird. If it was a God dream, God would give you directions in the dream, most likely. He would give you direction, or he would give you an explanation, or there would be some hope. There would be some way in which this could be avoided or you might have a dialogue with god but if it's just a crazy thing happened and then i woke up you know it's probably a soul dream if there is neutral colors and there's no clarity no explanation no hope and also all these people you ping pong they all have a different thing it's like is the united states going to be invaded by china or by russia or by the north koreans or are we going to all die in a flood or a fire or an earthquake? I mean, which one is it? Because they all contradict each other. Mm-hmm. And God's not the God of confusion. Yes. I've always fi- found in those circumstances that you have supposedly all of these people having prophetic dreams or that they self-profess to be prophetic dreams. But they don't align with one another. You know, I understand that, that God absolutely gives prophetic dreams. He does reveal these, you know, certain things to his prophets before they happen, but they certainly are not going to contradict one another. Exactly. And it's a personal property, prophecy, uh, usually. So you look at the prophets in the Bible, Jeremiah and Daniel and Zechariah and Isaiah. They all say the same thing. Mm-hmm. If you don't stop, the Assyrians will kill you. Pretty simple message. Over and over, specific group of people coming here for a specific reason, and this is how you can avoid it. I mean, Daniel even said, like, in 70 years, you're going back to the land. Sorry, no, Jeremiah. Jeremiah said in 70 years, you're going back to the land. And then seven years later, Daniel's in Babylon. He's like, reading Jeremiah from two generations ago, it's like, oh, it's almost time to go home. They're very consistent. They all flow together. Not one has this crazy dream, another one has a separate crazy dream. But biblical prophecy, these were established prophets. These weren't some dude on YouTube. Um, they were usually born in the priesthood, so they've been trained their entire life to be priests. 
in their culture, if you gave a false prophecy, they would kill you. So mm-hmm. there are consequences and accountability to the extreme for just making stuff up. You just don't, you know, go away for a little bit and come back in six months with a new YouTube channel. I mean, this, there was severe consequences for being wrong. They also had people that trained them in these things, and they were gifted, and they were anointed by God to do it. And they were appointed. These are recognized prophets. The entire nation looked at this person for prophecy and direction. It's like the whole country might look to Billy Graham. Not some guy on YouTube, but the whole country would recognize Billy Graham as the nation's preacher. Mm-hmm. And and these guys were, were correct, and they had also miracles that went with it. So there's a you can have a prophetic gifting. You might even get a prophetic message. Every, most everybody has at some point. Doesn't make you a prophet to the nation. And uh, if you're a prophet to your appointed prophet to the, over the church, over a state, over a country, you have kind of have an assigned territory. Now God can give people dreams in order to intercede. Like and the country keeps on going. This is what'll happen. So I want you to intercede. But being asked to intercede. Doesn't make you a watchman and it doesn't make you a prophet. It makes you an intercessor. Intercessors intercede. They don't have to tell the whole world about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I have some parents, I think they're called to be prophets and they're called to, they have a message that they were supposed to give. Like my friend Angie had a, a dream about a, a nuclear explosion, I believe. It's, it seemed to be nuclear to her. Had several markers of a God dream. I've heard on my TV show, like, I think this message needs to be out here because God wants it out. Uh, but she's a rare exception that she was legit. You know, it's a legit thing that happened. But the majority of people you see just floating around are contradicting each other, and they're probably called, they're called either living in fear or they're called to intercede. And also, what thing about dreams, too, dreams are 99% symbols. A flood is not literal water washing over you all the time. Mm-hmm. An earthquake is not a literal crack in the ground a lot of the times. Right. Right. So it's all about getting that correct interpretation. One, I don't think we're supposed to interpret our own dreams. And then two, getting that correct interpretation before you go spouting off a misconstrued message to the nation. Exactly. Like take it to your pastors. I mean, you might find someone good at you know, that God has given a gift of interpreting dreams. You also study in scripture and take it before your pastor or people gifted, you know, spiritual guidance. And if everybody gets the same message, it's probably God. If everyone's praying and getting different messages or like you ate too much pizza, you know, it might not be God. But there will be that, that unity in the Holy Spirit where everyone's like, wow, I think this means this. And I think that was God. But just waking up and having it and, you know, making a YouTube video two hours later is not really the responsible thing to do. To do. It's like Tyler Don Rosenquist did an article the other day, which is about people having anxiety disorders. There are people who cannot handle that, that all day, all the time. It will seriously make them be hospitalized or need medication or able to function if you're constantly throwing things at them about fear, panic, fear, panic, and terror. They already have anxiety. This is a, it's like, it's like giving, giving a bottle of whiskey to an alcoholic. It's to give them something else to be afraid of. Like if you're a medical doctor, someone, someone has an addiction to maybe painkillers and they're in a terrible car wreck, third degree burns, you give them morphine. You're a doctor, last resort, 
you got to get morphine or extreme suffering, extreme situation, despite the risk, calculated risk. That's a different thing from just randomly giving someone with a drug addiction a bottle of pills. Mm-hmm. But anxiety is basically your brain is hooked on fear. At its core, the brain is stuck on fear. And let's give it some more fear. It's not going to help. But to be responsible with all of our words, we're accountable for all of our words, even our dream interpretations, even the dreams we post on Facebook, we're responsible for the, the fruit of that. Yeah, and if it's that, needless panic, that's not good fruit. That is, you're absolutely right. A lot of people don't realize, or well, maybe they do realize because they absolutely post it for an audience, for people to read, but they don't take into consideration the full aspect of that, you know, that oh added once a word has been spoken you can't get that back you know and even though you may delete your post later or delete your video later those words are already out there and the internet does not forget people will still be reading and consuming your content for who knows how far who knows how long i mean an air air podcast is proof of that we mm-hmm. i forget how many countries where we're like I'll ballpark a number 20 countries around the world where people are hearing the voice, our voices and the messages that we put out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a much larger impact than we really considered <laughs> when we first started. So, and that's, that's a ton of responsibility that we have and that even you, the average everyday listener who may only have a Facebook page there, there's a lot of weight in the words that you put out there, they have repercussions. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what if I had a dream and I put Facebook on Facebook, I quit. I have a private group for my dream or dreams. I think you're in it uh, with people. I know the trust to be somewhat spirit led, but I just couldn't put my dreams on Facebook in general. I mean, what if I have some weird dream about an earthquake under Washington, DC? You know, earthquake happens and it shakes D.C. All these things crumble. Um, well, that would probably mean that there's a political shaking and a lot of things that institutions going to be really shaken up. Things going to be different. Would not mean there's going to be a literal earthquake in D.C. where literal buildings literally collapse. But some guy in D.C. might hear, see this dream and, and go out and, and he'll sell his house and build a bunker and quit his job and do God knows what. Because he read my dream. I mean, he didn't know what it was. He didn't know how to interpret it because he just, that's not his thing. He might major life decisions based upon, I heard a podcast where this guy said, there's going to be an earthquake in DC, you know, and I'd be partially the small level responsible for that. Well, you're exactly right. And I just, I don't want to have that responsibility knowing that I've, you know, led someone in the wrong direction. Absolutely. And, uh, but we've all went into our panic and conspiracy theories are the same. It's, it can be like false prophecy, the social media version of false prophecy, mm-hmm. but there's no evidence and it keeps being wrong over and over and over and over. But we just don't stop because we're hooked on it and we don't care how much damage it does to the kingdom. Don't care how much damage it does to other people. We just enjoy being worked up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those are probably true. I mean, conspiracy, like, there's terrible things happening all over the world. 
the government and politicians, always other people. I mean, corporations, there were lots of people doing terrible things all the time. Can we stop it? No. Is talking about it helping? No. Can you approve any of it? No. Let me let me ask you this. Is it really our job though to to be the person exposing that? Is that what our focus should be? Or we should we just be more responsible Christians if we are just sticking to the message of repentance and sticking to the message of Jesus? Um, repentance is, I mean, a large message. And it's not, we have repentance. It's, people think fear and repentance. Together. I mean, God will, like First Thessalonians 4, he will avenge, he will smack countries and nations and churches and people. But repentance is also a, a love response. Like it's a response to God's grace. It's not a response because we scared a bit, scared the snot out of everybody. And there are people in the Bible called to be watchmen. Ezekiel was one. It's extremely rare, but God directly appointed him to be a watchman. And he had to say exactly what God said, no more, no less. Yeah, we have so many people guess, that self-proclaimed watchmen. Okay. Yeah, I guess I wasn't clear in my no. question because in my in my mind, when I'm thinking uh, of a watchman and when I'm thinking of someone sent to warn the people, it's hmm. more of, let's say, a Jonathan Kahn who yeah. is saying, here, I see this pattern. Hmm. This is what we're leading up to. If, if we don't turn from our wicked ways, this is what's going to happen versus think when I'm thinking of like the exposers, we have so mm. many, oh, yeah. you know, them. right. So many people who are just constantly focusing on exposing the darkness, exposing the devil or exposing mm -hmm. another preacher or exposing even someone else in our same walk of faith. And it becomes, and it just dawned on me where I heard that from. I was listening to a Perry Stone video this morning who was talking about, um, all of these teachers or preachers who are constantly trying to expose someone else, uh, having the spirit of Delilah because mm. she was, you know, focused on exposing what was given Samson his power. Mm. So maybe oh, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't clear in my question. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Like John Con is best. I understand. I haven't read all his books and we're talking to the man. So this is my speculation is that somehow either he believes he got direct revelation from God or like Ezekiel was directly told, you will be a watchman and you will say this. They will hate you for it. Or, but if you don't, your blood, the blood, their blood's on your head. Or it's more like Psalm 16, even the night my heart instructs me. King David said where he feels a burden and he really truly feels, just feels, just knows that God called him to do what he's doing with writing his books, but also his books are very evangelistic in nature. Like this doesn't have to happen. It can be prevented. You need to read. God loves you. Repent. And he doesn't want to do this, but you might make him is a different thing from, Oh, God's mad at all of you and you're all going to die now. You know, where he's going to hurl lightning down like Zeus. Mm. Um, and the exposing ministries, that's not really being a watchman per se. It's like John MacArthur or Paul Washer might occasionally, they might mention names. They will address false doctrines, but they don't make their entire ministry uh, picking people apart and conjuring up rumors and, you know, making YouTube videos 
showing people's mansions or something. You know, that's a different thing. Uh, that's that's a different thing entirely than say John MacArthur, Paul Washer, or Jonathan Kahn. You know, say this is doctrine is false, or this message this person preaches is false, is a different thing from just being on a witch hunt mm-hmm. based upon false information or half information or rumors or speculation. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and so- like uh, Chris fighting for the faith, Chris Roseboro has basically a ministry that does that. Some of it is. Uh, Hey, this is a bad idea. This is false doctrine, but a lot of it is make you just being a mocker. In Proverbs, so you talk about Proverbs. Proverbs talks about being a mocker. It's not a good thing to be a mocker. And that's basically what those kind of supposedly watchmen ministries turn into. It's just a mocking ministry, which is the mm-hmm. ministry. You're just a court jester at that point. Yeah, that's with true. a cross on. That's true. So do you care before we, before we go any farther and, and kind of tie things up, do you care to kind of like talk about the antithesis of that and talk about, you know, I know all, there's so many scriptures in our Bible about fear not and trusting in God. Do you, can you talk about that a little bit? Maybe we can end this on a, on a positive note. Yes. Fear-based <laughs> podcast on fear dreams. Um, where people have fear dreams, listen to the podcast on fear dreams. Um, so the book of Joshua is really strong on that. Because, you know, there were times in Israel was not meant to be all big and bad and just go do it. Uh, but the book of Joshua wasn't one of those times. It's God-directed courage. It's not bravado. It's not presumption. It's God told us to do it, and there is no way we would ever do this unless we had a direct commandment to do so. But since we have a direct commandment, we're going to go all in. Because he doesn't like lukewarm half in. Like in the book of Joshua, God told him, go take the land. I promise you, you will turn out good if you do. So God told them to, and God promised them an outcome. And then Joshua went in full force because God already told him. This is be strong and courageous. It wasn't foolhardiness. It wasn't presumption. He said, be strong and grok Be strong and courageous, which is like an imperative. It's a commandment. God told him to go do it, to be, be brave. And it's not the emotion of, I don't think the emotion of fear is a sin. Like in Joshua, it talks about I mean, fear not. It's not the emotion. It's the decision to live in it. And it's the lifestyle of it that's a sin. I don't care what God said to do. I'm not going to do it because I'm afraid. But jo- Joshua's opposite. Joshua said, God said, do it. So I'm just going to go all in regardless of what I'm, regardless of my fears. I'm all in. That's awesome. So how can we apply that to our lives today and, and live in confidence in God? Well, there's two types of words. You know, you have the logos word, the written word. And there's a rhema word, the inspire word. Logos is a more certain word. Like we're, I mean, I'm terrible. I'm not much of an evangelist at all. But, uh, you know, if the written word says to evangelize ends of the earth, then, and we have a fear that tells us to do the opposite. We have to serve God rather than man. It's not serving man, it's serving man's fears. When we're serving our own, we're serving our own fears instead of serving God, that we are serving man instead of God. So there's a written word says, go make disciples to the end of the earth. 
and our fierce is opposite, we go make disciples. Even if we have social anxiety like I do, we have to, you know, try and go do it. And uh, the rhema word is the inspired word, like in Psalm 16, even the night my heart strikes me. It's nice you just know or feel what you're supposed to do. And it's contrary to your flesh. It's contrary to your comfort zone. But we have to go do it anyway because that's the rhema word. So we have to choose between God's instructions or the instructions of our fear. And that, that there, there's a parent, there is a decision there. My fear says this, but my Messiah says this. Hmm. And we have to make a decision. We're going to base it on fear or faith. Everything in life is fear or faith or either fear of faith or fear of love. Every decision, every big decision boils down to one of the two. Either it's made out of fear or it's made out of love. It's made out of fear. It's made out of faith. And we have to choose something other than fear. We can't let fear be our master. And I think that's what Joshua gets at. Because they should be terrified. Because they're 12 feet tall, 12 foot tall people that want to eat them. Um, (laughs) That's a a whole new level of terror. Shaquille O'Neal is hungry and he thinks you look like a chicken wing. (laughs) <laughs> this, is, this is scary stuff uh, but God said to do it so they had to choose God or choose fear and they chose God there's appropriate appropriate fear there's fear of the Lord there's things God said you should be afraid of but when he gives you a direct commandment to do something and your fear gives you a direct commandment to do otherwise you have to pick which God is your God you know as, as for me and my house we'll serve the Lord that's what Joshua said it didn't say as for me and my house we will show serve our anxiety or our paranoia or our media-induced panic. <laughs> well, good deal. Is there anything that I haven't thought to ask you yet about fear dreams that maybe we've missed? So Jeremiah 29 is really interesting. Jeremiah 29, 11 is the, uh, the famous verse about, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and we take that way out of context because Jeremiah is telling these people, you're going to Babylon for 70 years, but and your great grandkids are going to be great. They'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so we take it way out of context for us individually. It's about the nation, it's about, it's about the nation of Judah and the Babylonian exile. But if you read previously to that, and like in verse eight, God is telling the people of Judah, uh, these people you're calling prophets, some of them might be prophets, you are making them dream dreams. They are having dreams or saying they're having dreams. And God has not given them these dreams. The people, the culture, the media, uh, the zeitgeist around them are making them have these dreams. It says in Jeremiah 29, 8, For thus says I deny the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets who are among you or your diviners beguile you and pay no attention to the dreams which which you make them keep dreaming for they prophesy falsely to you in my name i have not sent them as a declaration of i deny so the people are causing their preachers and their prophets and their ministers and their youtube superstars to dream dreams there is such a culture of fear or such an expect there's such a culture of expectation of something uh, that they have created that it is causing the uh, spiritual people, the, the superstars, the prophets and priests and uh, YouTube ministers to have dreams. It's not God. It's not the devil. It's not even the person themselves. But the, the culture and the climate and the audience is causing this because there's so much pressure to produce 
a word that says such and such. Mm. It's not God. It's not the, the dream gives a direction to the people. The people are giving directions to the dream. It works in reverse in Jeremiah 29, 8. And Jeremiah's 28, God's Jeremiah's telling them you're gonna you're gonna go to Babylon and that all these other prophets say, No, you're not going to Babylon. Great things are gonna happen to you. Because the people demanded to hear great things are gonna happen to you. But what we can do it in our culture, what we do is terrible things are gonna happen. It's what the people say. And then they say it so much that the uh, the preachers start agreeing with them. The tail wags the dog. So we have to be really careful when we're in climates that are kind of group think kind of crowd think group think everybody just turns the brain off and does what everyone else does because that can produce things like this does that make sense yeah yeah i'm glad you covered that i'd forgotten that was in there that was perfect good deal um i had a thought and it left me I absolutely hate it. It'll come back in a second. Yeah, it'll come back in a second. Um, we are we are quickly approaching our hour mark. Um, so I definitely want to get in um, the one question that we always ask. I typically ask at the beginning of the podcast, but I guess tonight I will be asking it at the end of the podcast. But um, the one question is always is Brian, what are you? hearing and seeing from the Holy Spirit, are, are you getting a message for you individually? Are you hearing a message for the body that you could share with our listeners? I think we've been, it's on the bench in a weird way, maybe me personally, but a lot of people, because we keep waiting on circumstances to be perfected and we keep waiting on God to change circumstances when it's like, just go do it. Just go do the thing you know you're supposed to do. It's like the rhema word, the inspired word, the Holy Spirit whispers, we'll go do this, to go do that. But it's like, okay, God, I, I certainly will as soon as you rearrange the circumstances to make it the perfect time to do that. And it's like, no, no, I already told you to go do it. It's like the, the Red Sea didn't part until Moses put, a, put his foot in it. And the Jordan is too, the Jordan as well. The Jordan didn't part until the priest put their foot in the water. And we're waiting on the, we're waiting on the Jordan, the Jordan River to part before we before we step onto the beach but god didn't part it until their feet hit the water and i'm personally in that place where it's like okay i can't wait on circumstances to be perfected i just got to do what i'm supposed to do and i think the body and the size in that place as well of you just gotta go put your foot in the water and quit waiting for it to part all on its own and uh, also in the media we are the tail wagging the dog it's hard to watch TV anymore because we've turned our preachers into gods, but they're also we turn them into puppets. We've turned our preachers into pulpit puppets where we tell them what to say. We give them an expectation. This is what we want to hear, and you better say it, or you're not going to be our pastor anymore, or our YouTube celebrity, or our worship leader, or whatever. And they're supposed to be God talks. God talks to the leader. The leader talks to people. But now the people are telling the leader what to say mm. in the name of God. Instead of God saying, pastor, say this in the name of God. The people are saying, pastor, say such and such in the name of God. Back to us. The tail is wagging the dog, which is a, a dangerous thing. It's the fear of man. But I think if you look at some of the culture, the, the pastoral culture, church culture, 
it's like in Jeremiah 29, they, they're so confused, the leadership's so confused, they don't know who's saying what. Is that the people saying this, or is that God saying this? And their spirit has been serving two masters so long, they can't tell which one is which. So we have to very much develop our own relationship and our own understanding, apart from groupthink, apart from my congregation believes this, or my TV pastor said this. Because the TV pastors have been getting so such conflicting information for so long, serving two masters so long, they don't know which one's given the orders anymore. And that's harsh, but I just can't unsee it. No, Tom Lee message. I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that, um, especially about taking that first step and putting your foot into the water. Um, you know, I love the story of Peter, and he had to put his foot in the water too, and. He walked on that water. So very, very timely message. And of course, it's it's near and dear to both you and I and the things that, that we are stepping out in faith um, toward what we feel like our calling is as well. So very timely word. So thank you for sharing that. So um, for our listeners, um, always at the end of our podcast as well, always like to redirect them on how to get in touch with us. Uh, one, if they have a topic that they would like to hear us cover, or if they have a dream that they would like to have included in our broadcast for a dream interpretation, or even if they want to get in touch with you for life coaching services, mm-hmm. where would you send our listeners from? Uh, so they can still go to letstalkshalom.com. Uh, that's my email address is on there. Maybe our TV show or podcast, all these things are hugging the homeless is on there. So letstalkshalom.com. And uh, or shalom to your heart at Gmail is also a way to reach me, or you can text my I can't believe my phone number out 423 243 4578. You can text that number and I will text you back. Uh, so one of those three messages let's talk shalom.com, uh, shalom to your heart at gmail.com, or you can text 423 243 4578. And the first session is free. After that, there's a if it's if it's proven well worth your money, uh, the next one will be a charge. But the first thirty minutes is, is free. Let's see if you believe it's going to be helpful to you or not. You are a brave soul. I cannot believe you just put your phone number out there for the world. <laughs> I know, and I will send people a bill if they call me at one a.m. <laughs> the inconvenience fee. <laughs> Oh my goodness, you may be signed up for all kinds of text messages, you know. You may start getting cat facts or something randomly. <laughs> get free coupon, uh, cookie coupons. <laughs> well, I also want to redirect them as well. Um, we do have some people who are faithful to sewing into our ministry. Um, obviously, all the outreaches that we do, we would love to do more. Um and that does take financial means. So, uh, like I said, we do have people that donate to our ministry to help in our efforts with that and to help keep Brian's TV show on the air and to keep our podcast online. So there's just a lot of expenses that goes along with doing that. So if you do feel led to sow into our ministry, can you share the PayPal with them as well, Brian? Uh, shalom to your heart at gmail.com. 
there you go. So you can also find a link to that on uh, our websites as well. Uh, and then, too, you can also find us on Facebook. We are of that age group where that's where we spend the most time on our social media platforms. Uh, so I have Melissa We drank from the garden hose. <laughs> this is and didn't wear seatbelts as children. So uh, I have Melissa Collins as my personal Facebook page, but I I looked earlier and I'm like at that four thousand nine hundred and ninety five, so I can only have like five more friends. So uh, we have the fan page set up as well. So there's the Melissa Collins page where you can go on there and like. I get all of those same messages from that page on my cell phone as well. So we are really quick to respond there. We also have um, the ministry pages on Facebook as well. So we have the Hugging the Homeless page. We have Shalom Letters. Um, you have a Do you have a Let's Talk Shalom page on Facebook? That's it. And I had one of those brain moments again. Yeah. So we have the Psalm 16 ministry page and then Brian has his personal page as well. So lots of different ways you can contact us. And we are at least at this point, we are very good and faithful about being prompt to reply. We reply to every single message that we get. So we like to be very hands-on and communicative with our audience. So but anything else, Brian, before we close out? And can you close this out in prayer? Um, just uh, be good to each other. And it says take every thought captive. That includes your dreams. These are thoughts that you need to exam- take captive and examine like a bird in a cage before you just let it loose. Mm-hmm. Um, to poop on everything. The <laughs> uh, poop to poo-poo people's uh, hope. Um so Yahweh, thank you for our listeners, co-hosts, for technology and the opportunity. And just please help us to spread your truth instead of our own thoughts and opinions and, and fears and anxieties. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. Brian, thank you so much. Thank you for everything that you do for us in the ministry. And thank you for everything that you do for our listeners and our friends and family. We appreciate you so, so much. And we just want to thank all of our listeners for all the likes, the shares, the donations, all the things that you do to help support our ministry and and the work that you do in sharing to spread the good news of Yeshua and spread the message uh, for us on our behalf uh, through our podcast and through sharing our post. So we thank you to our audience as well. And we thank you. We God bless you. And until next time, shalom. Shalom to your hearts.